As always, the Comets Podcast is being brought to you by Huntington University. If you're a season ticket holder, you can get 25% off all tuition. That's all tuition. You can go to classes, you can do them online, but it's all tuition, 25% off if you are a season ticket holder. So take advantage of that. Make sure you're calling the Huntington University Admission Office or the Comet Office. They'll get you steered in the right direction, but please check out Huntington University. They're the ones that host this podcast and make it happen. So here we go. On with the show. everyone we have reached episode 30 of the Huntington University Comets podcast what a journey it has been I'd like to thank everybody for listening I think we're coming up on 6,000 listens so far which is fantastic I'm glad everybody is enjoying it now for episode number 30 we got a special guest well not so special because he's been on the show a lot head coach Ben Boudreaux we had him on last year when he was the assistant coach we had him on last year with Jamie Shaftsma uh, sharing Flint stories which you can go back and listen to that episode it's really funny. But this episode here with Ben is also very funny. Ben and I are close friends, so we love to push each other's buttons. And you'll get to that when you get to the very end of this podcast. And I want everybody to weigh in. If everybody can check me out on Twitter, please weigh in uh, on uh, the discussion that Ben and I have about the bus. But uh, we also have some good laughs about all the jobs that Ben has been fired from before he got into coaching. And also, he talks about this season. Now, this was uh, recorded before uh, last weekend's 3 and three so some of the numbers and the dates don't exactly line up but you get the gist uh, as he talks about how he put this team together and we also had some other good Seinfeld laughs and a, and a bunch of other things and this was just a very fun episode always love to have Ben on the show because uh, he's got the great stories and no one can make me laugh the way Ben Boudreaux does so here we go episode number 30 with head coach Ben Boudreaux <laughs> Pretty good. I know, but I gotta shave today. Today? Oh, I'm gonna do the mustache yeah. for the Movember thing, and everyone's got these beautiful mustaches. Yeah. But is everyone else starting over? They should. Nobody's starting over. I'm shaving my beard. I'm keeping the mustache. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, I gotcha. I've been growing this thing, starting to cheat. This is gonna be. I <coughs> could be the most disgusting-looking human being. I'll have no. I'll have more hair on my upper lip than I'll have through the middle of my head come Friday night's game. <laughs> does Carla like it? No, no. She yeah. hates it. Yeah, Kathy, I can't. I can't grow mine out either. She just absolutely hates it. I know. But priorities are, well, I don't even know if it's a priority. It just look ugly. I don't know why I have it. But we are we are where we are. We are going to do what we got to do. That's right. Okay. All right. Something All right. will come up. You just hit me with it. I will. Okay. Well, this is episode number 30. Somehow you've been on this show three times, so I, I don't know if it's because you're that interesting or I'm that just not uh I've been on three times. Three times. One was with Shaz, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. This is the third time, and that is technically fourth because the one I forgot to plug in your mic. That is true. So this is actually that's very true. So you know, you're interesting. Good. Yeah. So that's better so, than not being interesting. So, looking over your resume, if it wasn't for hockey, you're pretty much unemployable, right? Because you've been fired a lot of ways. I don't think I've been fired once ever. Didn't you fall asleep? 
What was that? Okay, hold on. I haven't been fired <laughs> once after I went to school. That's what I meant. Okay. There's a certain time. I've been fired plenty of times before I went to college. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And I was about to combat that. I was going to say, no, I got a resume. I got a, I got something to fall back on here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I fell asleep <laughs> on the job. And it's um, – I don't know if this is interesting or I'm doing myself any favors by letting you know <laughs> on this thing, just for the record. But we live in an area that held the World Rowing Championships. It's a beautiful area in Niagara, uh, south of Toronto, just uh, above the border of New York. And the World Rowing Championships are held in a place called Port de Luzi, um, beautiful spot. And every single summer they've got regattas for rowing. Um, and there's a popular little area. Well, I took a job at a rowing store in the month of so September where everyone's back in school. Nobody's having competitions. And then that rolled over into October. Um, and I remember it was called Regatta Sport. I may have had two customers on an eight-hour shift if I was lucky. There was times <laughs> I'd work eight hours and I wouldn't see a single soul in the store. So I went in there not feeling very good after one night out with my friends as a young 19-year-old. <laughs> and I know that on this Wednesday that nobody else is going to be coming into the store. I got nothing to do but kill the eight hours until I got junior B practice at 5 o'clock that day. Well, there's a box of clothes sitting behind the cash register. I just kind of slumped myself into it. Next thing you know, I'm sawing locks. And I'm being <laughs> woken up by somebody ringing the bell in front of my face looking for service. And there I am sleeping while they're doing shopping in the store. That was the last shift I worked at that place. <laughs> I don't know why, but it just happened to be the last shift I was working at that place. Um, and then we move on. So I don't have a career in retail sales, I'll tell you. No, that no. But you worked at a restaurant, though. Didn't you? I worked in many restaurants. Many restaurants. So that was your thing. That was my thing. I yeah. was a waiter uh, for a long time. I got fired uh, from the keg <laughs> restaurant in Niagara Falls for eating a, a nice filet that the, the chef gave to me, but somebody else complained that I didn't pay for it. So usually we get 50% off, right. but the chef and I had a good thing, and next thing you know, I was blown up into a big story. That one <clears throat> was not my fault. It was the <laughs> chef's fault I got fired, but... You live to fight another day. <laughs> Did so, you have a word with the chef afterwards? Well, I couldn't. Could have had my back. Do? It was his fault. Yeah. You know, the guy had a family to support. I couldn't throw him <laughs> under the bus. I just went and got a, another job down the street that I got fired from two weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was that? Another restaurant? I was playing baseball two weeks into the restaurant and while customers were coming in with something stupid. Anyways, that one was my fault. <laughs> That one was my fault. And then I said, you know what? I should probably go to college to fall back on something. So that's the, the point in time where I said, okay, let's get this career going. So there you go. There, kids, stay in school. Stay in school, 100%. But after 21, I don't think I've ever been fired. So that is a pretty good 15-year stretch yeah. of not being fired anywhere. So we got a good record going. So yeah. now oh. you've got a new job. Yeah. So we got to work on not getting you fired from this one. Yeah. Let's not get <laughs> fired. Let's not get fired. There's a difference between getting fired and not getting re-signed. Right. Oh, that's, that's, so, that's totally different. Yeah. yeah. That was, yeah. uh, was going to be a big one. Um, so, so far, thing, things are going pretty swimmingly. There was one job, though, when I was 25. I was a full-time <laughs> broadcaster at a, a television station, came right out of school. Yeah. I was done playing hockey. I got into uh, that as a broadcaster. Um, four months in, we had an emergency meeting that the station was closing that Monday because it didn't make any money, and they, they had let everybody go. That wasn't being fired. No. Though. The station wasn't closing. So right. I keep 
keep my good records there. <laughs> but we did have $2,000 worth of food trade on one deal. So yeah. we exercised that over one lunch, which was real tough to do. <laughs> but we made it happen. So that was a, that was a good thing. That was a good going out party. Yeah. So yeah. since then, everything's, everything's kind of gone swimmingly so far. Swimmingly. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you're the new head coach. So uh, you're a few games in. How does it feel to be the, the head guy? It's your yep. first time being the head guy. It's uh, it's been great. You know, everything's been fun. Um, there's some unexpected things, some expected things. Uh, I think we've got the team that we we wanted all summer long, which is really great. Um, I've been in the situation uh, in the previous six years where sometimes you say, "Well, we got a lot of holes. We got to fill here. We got to look externally for this. Maybe sacrifice uh, some some teams uh, for some guys that that you'll later pay off in the summer." And we're on the other end of it, except we're sending guys out to uh, for some good futures that we'll we'll pull on in the summer to make our team better in the off season. So uh, for me personally, I think we're in a real good real good scenario. We got a lot of great players. We got a lot of talent on that team, and I just find myself. Um, with the unexpected situation of trying to keep guys happy, I didn't think that we yeah. that would be the biggest challenge as the head coach. It's not the X's and O's. It's well, I gotta yeah. sit this guy out and his girlfriend's visiting. Geez, I'm gonna lose sleep over it. So that's the tough part for me is trying to keep everybody happy. But uh, my father in 1994 had a sign on his desk in in Fort Wayne that he's kept with him uh, for the last 28 years. I I think it's been, um, and he said. Uh, you know, the, I don't know what the key to success is, but the key to failure is trying to make everybody happy. And so that's something that he's lived by his entire life. And when I told him after Saturday we had lost and I sat this guy out and he wasn't happy and he said, listen, he said, I know you want to be everybody's best friend. You want to make sure everyone's happy, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody. So do what comes uh, best, make the put the best guys on the ice and everything else will fall uh, fall where they may. Good advice. Yeah. So, so so when you got the job, when you finally made it official, who was the first guy he called? Did you call your dad? Um, did I call my dad? You know, I don't uh, – no, I called my wife on the way home. She was she yeah. was more anxious than, than anybody, and she, more than anybody, probably deserved the news first, so I made sure I gave her a call. Yeah. Um, she wasn't there on the phone, so I picked up the phone and called my dad right away after that. Um, and then I called my mom, and then I called my brother, and then I called my buddies, and it was kind of, uh, I think I might have made 77 phone calls that day, just kind of letting everybody know. It was an exciting moment yeah. in my life. You know, yeah. I... I specifically remember retiring at the age of 28 after my best statistical season. And I said, well, if I'm going to make a goal of this coaching thing, I might as well put the, the work in early because it's not, it's not all that glorious where you're making, you know, my first job was for $15,000 and yeah. you know, you can't do that with a wife, a kid, a family, a dog, the whole nine. So do it while you're young. You don't have a lot of expenses and you grind it out for a long time to put yourself in a position. By the time you're in your mid thirties, you'll, you'll get a head coaching job. So it was great to have a long-term plan that came to fruition so now the the next short-term plan is don't get fired so i gotta do that on a day-by-day basis here ben don't fall asleep don't eat uh the food laying around yeah you'll be okay well that's the biggest thing we've got some good food laying around that fred keeps bringing down from the press box every single game so fred don't stop that if you're listening um but sleeping on the job i haven't found a way to do that yet so that's that's all good right now so okay so you're the head guy now you've always been the assistant have you gotten the head coach temperament yet are you working on that well you know I said I wouldn't change you know that's the biggest thing like yeah. my personality is not going to change but then you know I think some some guys see the the happy-go-lucky always positive always support that all of a sudden you know today things weren't going well I felt that we weren't all that detailed in practice and we got a 
big, big three and three coming up against uh, Florida, Indy, and Toledo. And if we're not ready to go and, and we're not ready to play 60 minutes of hockey and we let our details slip, we're going to find a way to, to, to burn some games out. You know, we've had 50 great minutes of hockey every single game through six games, but we've only managed to win three of those games. Um, so it's been a second period slip. And I find if we're not detailed throughout the entire practice, I had to snap a little bit. And it's not about being everybody's friends. At some time, you've got to break that barrier and yeah. let them know that you mean business. So uh, a couple guys weren't, weren't exactly happy with me because we called them out today, but then we also keep everybody accountable at the same time. So yeah. finding that fine line of, of you know, being being who you are and then also having to be the head coach at the same time so it's a work in progress but I think uh, everybody's uh, understandable because the guys we have in that locker room are all phenomenal guys so they jump in and buy in pretty quick are you fiery on the bench now because you've had been in the background I mean as far as players officials I hadn't anything. I hadn't been until Saturday, it was a little <laughs> fiery on Saturday to the point where Legs and I kind of got fired up behind closed doors right. about how it happened. But it was it was good. Like, he keeps me in check. You yeah. know, you're being too negative. And I said, well, they need to know. They need to wake up. You know, and we, we snapped and we got two goals out of it. And I saw Gary do that for five years. You yeah. know, like he, there was a time where he got guys motivated. And, yeah. Uh, you know, controlling your emotions through 60 minutes. And then after the game, that's that's going to be a challenge for me that you can't get too high and you can't get too low. You kind of got to be even keel. And yeah. so uh, we gave a six-game assessment to all the players and our affiliates, and I kind of give my own self an assessment of that. And that's that's an area that I need to be better is controlling my emotions, both negatively and positively. I found myself laughing on the bench more since second game. You did some things that I just yeah. said – he shouldn't be here. This guy's too good. What is he doing? And I'm, we got embarrassment of riches. And, you know, I find myself laughing, and then he turned it over in the neutral zone the next next period. And, you know, then all of a sudden, well, I shouldn't have been so high on him. Right. And then, you know, you can't be coming down so hard on a guy like that too. Right. So um, just managing my emotions throughout the game and away from the rink and everything, I think yeah. so far is the biggest challenge. And trying to keep everybody buddy happy is a big-time challenge. Things that I would have had no idea going into it until you've lived lived through it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think part of it is being honest with yourself. And if that's an area that I felt that I could get better, then you, you try to get better every day with it. Now, let's talk about Olivier Legault. You guys have, boy, guys are almost morphing into one person now. So I'm, I'm guessing now we talked about resumes. The next resume you guys put out might be a joint resume because you're now a package. It might be. I mean, <laughs> Olivier asked me if we could ask for a pullout bed in our office. So after the Friday night, 8 o'clock games, we'd just sleep over and have yeah. a little slumber party. And then we're back at work at 6 o'clock the next morning. I said, Legs, if we ask for a bed in our office, I don't want to know what's being said behind closed doors. <laughs> that may be too far. Um, just joking. But, but we've you got guys, a... I mean, the relationship you guys have is, is different than most head coach, assistant coaches. I mean, you guys are just best friends. Yeah, we're, we're great friends. We are. I I think our working relationship is is uh, kind of derived from that that friendship that we have. Though, yeah. like I said, because we are good friends, he can hold me accountable for things. You yeah. know, he said, "Well, why are we doing this when when we did this over here?" Or he said, "Hey, you're too negative on the bench." We talked about negativity. Like, yeah, you get your snap, but then you got to find a way to get back to to real life. So. Um, a guy like that, he, because of our friendship, he's not afraid to tell me what's on his mind. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing. If I need to tell him something that might not be the, the best news or might not be the most positive news, I can tell him because it's going to be out of respect. It, it, it's, it's, it's a genuine type thing. But we've got a great, 
great working relationship. We got a great off-ice relationship. I mean, our our families are are real good friends. You know, Rachel and my wife, and then his three kids are all good friends with my son. And it's just it's it's fun to be around. When you surround yourself with good people, you look forward to going to work every single day. So if if I didn't like you, Shane, I would have been kind of dragging my hands and saying, I don't want to <laughs> do this podcast. But like you know, I love a guy like you. I couldn't wait to come in here and hang out with you for the the time that we're going to spend. So um, that was our biggest thing. If we can build our dressing room uh, so guys want to be around each other, yeah. that's great. And it's no different as far as the staff. I mean, you know, Joe, Matt, Skyler, me, Olivier. We got the skills coach and Corey Mickey. We got a power skating coach and John Salway. I think if you put us all together, we'd all want to hang out with each other. I don't know if they'd say that about me, but I would say that about them anyways. And uh, uh, so far, so good. Well, it, it just for the record, Ben forgot about this, and I had to text him a couple times, and uh, he eventually came in. So, well, I was, hey, I was. <laughs> Olivier asked me, and he said, "By the way, you got that podcast today. Make sure you build up our relationship." I said, "I don't want to get to this to the point where people are legitimately scared and start asking questions, but." We got a good friendship, but he was the one to remind me out there. Like See? a good coach would. That's so. that's right. So yeah, so like so Olivier, he's the one who now cools you off. So Carla's job, your wife, is pretty much out. She doesn't have to do that. So you're calm by the time you get home. I'm calm by the time I get home. You know that's the biggest thing. But she reminded me I've napped for the last ten days in a row. We do have a two-year-old kid going right now, so I've been taking a lot of naps, trying to get over a little sickness and everything, but. Now I know, okay, nine, ten days, uh, maybe I won't be able to nap today. Maybe i got to do some fatherly <laughs> stuff at home too. But she's great. She's wonderful. She allows me to do my job. It's been a, it's been a great work in progress so far. I couldn't be in a better spot. We're actually thinking about buying a home um, here in Fort Wayne. The only problem is we got a one-year deal, so we better start winning a lot more games there you go. to feel good about it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. If I buy a home and we go for consecutive games losing streak, I don't know if that's the <laughs> smartest investment. So <laughs> we understand the position that we're in now is there's a little bit more focus on the, the results-driven uh, basis, but we want to be uh, long-term Comets uh, uh, people here, long-term Fort Wayne residents. <laughs> so we're trying to get, get through that every single day to, to get where we want. So uh, my neighbor's house just went up for sale. So just FYI, if you're looking, so that's good to know. Go. We'd be over there all the time. <laughs> Kathy would be cooking us up, and they say, "Get rid of these friggin' Boudreaux. They're over here every single day." And my and daughter you know, Riley, daughter Riley, the occasional babysitter, babysitter. You know, yeah, a hundred percent too. That I uh, wouldn't mind checking it out on the MLS. Actually, now you've got my, you've got my curiosity yeah. peaked right you now. You might want to check that out. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. We all have dogs, kids. Yeah. I got an updated kitchen. That's fine. Other than that, I just need a bed to sleep on and a TV to watch, and I'm I'm good to go. <laughs> NHL Network. That's it. That's yeah. it. Some Seinfeld NHL Network. I don't. She's like, why don't you watch something different for once? I said. I don't want to know what's out there. I already know what's good. I just want to know what's coming to me. If I waste an hour watching a bad show, yeah. no, I know what I have. Let me keep going with what I'm I want. I'm going to watch Seinfeld, and I'm going to laugh at the same spots I've always laughed at. I might be 75 times per episode, Bill, but it's still as good as it was on day one, so that's a good thing. Well, speaking of Seinfeld, do you have a favorite episode? Because I have mine. We, yada well, Yada is my favorite episode. The Yada Yada. That is my we, favorite. I, we all, it always comes back to Seinfeld on this thing. It does. For me, the smelly car. Is one of those ones. We've got the BBO. This is bad BO. This is beyond BO. It's the BBO. Um, but yeah, there's, I think every single one is bad. The sniffing accountant is a favorite one of, of mine. I like the uh, marine biologist. 
Um, That's a good one. Is is out there too? Yeah. I don't know. You, yeah. I could go through a whole bunch of them. There's not many that I say, oh, that one's no good. Do you uh, think of yourself as a character? Because I am George Costanza. You know what? I am. You are George I Costanza. Am George. I am George Costanza, and the older I get, the more George I get. Oh, that's it's not, a shame. I I don't know if I see that in you. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I see that in you. You're not. You're not as aloof as George is a little bit. You're more of a Jerry to me. Really? Yeah. Oh, you're more that's of a Jerry. nice. That's nice. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we've. I think we could do like a living, breathing Seinfeld episode. And still, to this day, I don't know if you've looked up the call on Bakersfield and we had Seinfeld names. Yes, I did. On the jerseys. Yes. That should still be an option that I think we should go Seinfeld <laughs> names, puffy shirts, puffy jerseys, or something else. Carry a rickshaw around the Coliseum, have rickshaw races. <laughs> that would be a great idea to get a Seinfeld trivia night going. I'll have to work on that. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Brain's <sighs> percolating right now. Yeah. This is what we do. We're here to sell uh, sell spots. If anybody from NBC is out there, then hey, let's get it going. Oh, speaking of NBC, Doc Emmerich was here, and you didn't get a chance to meet him, and you were upset with me. I was disappointed. That guy, <laughs> I love listening to that guy. There's... Uh, there's few commentators that in this game that I really enjoy listening to, and Doc is one of them. He makes everything sound exciting, much like uh, you are here in Fort Wayne, Shane. Oh, thank uh, you, man. Doc is one of those guys <laughs> that I just think is really special to listen to. Uh, he's got this kind demeanor, and as some of the specials I've seen, he doesn't forget a single face. He was kind enough to put my son Cooper on uh, national television the first game of the season back in 2017, so I wanted to say thank you for that uh, if he was ever listening. He's just a great guy. I would have loved to meet him, so thank you for that opportunity, Shane. <laughs> oh. oh, well, I was sorry. Uh, your, your door was closed. I thought you were busy, so I didn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like right. You know what we were doing back there? We were probably throwing darts at a board. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Of course we were busy. But you see the team we got right now? Yeah, of course th we were that's busy. What he, that's what he was doing. Absolutely. And if you, you did, you had quite the war room going on during the summer i mean you started right away and your entire wall was nothing but players it was it was covered well i want to say there was there were 17 trees chopped down just to make room for the paper <laughs> that we had to put up on the walls like we uh and olivia was a big proponent went through every free agent right and then we listed them by position um by accolades by category and and we had some some uh, things, some boxes that we wanted to check off. Like, we wanted leaders in this locker room. You don't get to be a leader unless you've got the right mindset, the professional mindset where you're coming ready to work, you're leading by example, you're not talking, you're just you're putting your best foot to paper. So anybody that was a leader, uh, they're, they're high on our, our list. Anybody that's been a winner um, was also high on our list. So anybody that's been able to get to the dance and win, um, I think the more people you have, the the better of those. And then obviously, you know, stats were, were a big thing. Anybody who had really good stats, um, and if they were able to win and, and be a leader, I think all that uh, – uh, goes into a good thing. So, you know, a guy like Kyle Haas for us is just voted the best captain in all of Canadian university sports. There was a reason he was here. Pechnik, you know, he's won a Memorial Cup. Um, you know, those Gallipo, he's won a Memorial Cup. Shan St. Amont, he's won a Q championship. Uh, even Marcus Phillips has won an OHL championship that's here in our roster now. Uh, Shaw's won a uh, Kelly Cup and Jenks has won juniors and Petey was wearing a letter. And, you know, I just think the more guys that you have on a roster, the, the better it is. And all these guys right now, it's this tight knit family that have all come together. They, they did the combat ops uh, laser tag yesterday. They're all having fun. Uh, we got a great group of guys, you know, six game, six games into the season. You can tell that our locker room is gelling together. Everybody loves each other. That's exactly what we set out to accomplish. And, uh, I, I'm really excited of where, where we're going as a team, the direction we're heading.
So, okay, so you're you're a new head coach. You're basically starting from scratch. Where did you start this summer? Who was the first player you called? Well, the the guys that we had rights to that we could negotiate before signing contracts, I mean, Binkley was really, really important. You know, I, I love a guy like that just because you know exactly what you're getting. Um, he's, he's a great human. He's a great leader in that locker room. So we started with him. That was one of the first phone calls that we made. Um, and then guys like uh, Brady Shaw and Petrozelli, um, we started there. A guy like uh, Sid, who's a veteran, uh, we knew he wanted to be here. It took a little bit of time before we really started talking talking to him as well. So uh, we started with the four guys, Binkley, Stewart, Shaw, and Petrozelli. And then after we got them on the same page and understood where we wanted to go from there, we kind of spanned out. We went to our old two of the older leader guys. We sat down in a meeting with Jenks. We sat down in a meeting with Sid. We kind of laid it out. And that, you know, Sid took about, you know, four to six weeks. Jenk took over two months um, f uh, over for that. But that that was where we had. We had one, two right shot Ds to start, and then we had no idea where we were going after that. And then we knew we had, um, you know, a left winger, two left wingers and Petrozelli and Brady Shaw. And then we, uh, you know, kind of filled in holes from there. So we said, okay, we need some centermen. And we, you know, that's where we went after Jenks, but it was taking a long time. So we needed to have another big name centerman, which was McKenzie, a big body up front. Um, and we won that recruiting battle. I was doing that in between golf holes with my dad on <laughs> golf vacation, but we got the job done. We got him signed up, which was huge. And we needed a third line center and we, we heard nothing but great things about Lasarchuk. So uh, we went after Lasarchuk and we built through the middle. Um, no, the most difficult part was, was going against exactly what we believed in. We said, we believe in building from the net out, but we knew we were going to yeah. have a situation on our hands where we had two NHL contracts. So trying to recruit a goalie knowing you were going to have two contracts was, was next to impossible. Not a single player wanted that role. So we wanted to get Alex DeBow back, you know, as a free agent, but he knew exactly what was coming down the pipeline. So uh, we weren't able to retain him. A guy like Stephen Dillon, he knew exactly what he'd be up against. And so we went with a guy like Stephen, uh, knowing full on well that we'd have two contract guys. Yeah. And so now, you know, we just had to move on him uh, earlier in this week because of that's that's the situation. But you build from your net out and then your defense and then your forwards. And uh, that's kind of how it went. So we got we got a great signing in Gallopo who helped us get McKenzie. We had a great signing in uh, Bryson Martin. We had a great signing in Pechnig. We already had Binkley um, and Stewart lined up. And then everybody after that kind of fell into our laps. Kyle Haas was a huge signing for us, which has uh, as just bowed really, really well. Um, and then Broussard, we got out of Traverse City, who just has really been impressive from Traverse City and everything like that too. So we don't want to get rid of a single guy. The unfortunate uh, part of this job is that we probably eventually have to. Um, but right now, we're really happy with uh, who we got inside those walls. There's, But there's so many players out there, especially, you know, the season ends. We've got a lot of rookies on this team. So where, I mean, where is the, I guess, the well you go into? Because there's so much out there. There's so much out there. But, you know, with, with young rookies, it allows you the cap flexibility to keep extra bodies around. Yeah. Like at this point, I, I don't know how many different guys we had already played at this at this time last year. We had traded Jeff King after two games and gotten Kia. And then we had gotten rid of Morley and 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 Miller and all these other guys. Like right now, we're not looking at acquiring anybody. We don't have any holes that we need to fill. I and mean, we've we've got the guys to get the job done inside that locker room up front and on the back end. We're not looking to outsource anything, you know, outside of maybe some older experience. But at that time, you know, what are we still willing to sacrifice? There's not a single player that I don't want to sit out. I want to play nine defense and I want to play 13 forwards. Every single guy I want in the lineup. 
Um, and that's the tough part. That's that internal competition we yeah. we're going for. So I guess the one good thing is, yeah, we, we did a hell of a recruiting <laughs> job. And I don't know if everybody knows or sees that, but Olivier, myself, we were in this office every single day and tried to get to the point yeah. where, where we're at now. And uh, we said it in the summer. It's going to be good to have, have problems, you know, tough tough decisions mm -hmm. to make. I just didn't know that would be the toughest part of the <laughs> job. So uh, it's great to have these young guys going. And, and uh, you know, whoever's up is going to – we got confidence to get the job done. So we're in a good scenario right now. So what's the feeling when you think you've got somebody in the bag and it falls through? Happened a few times this summer. Happened a few times, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, it's the same feeling of getting punched in the stomach <laughs> and the win – uh, you know, kind of gets knocked out of you. But at the same time, you, you work hard enough and you'll you'll find out that you've got enough holes, you know. Like Steve Alexky was one of those guys that we, we talked about all summer, you yeah. know, when he said he wanted to come to Fort Wayne. And ultimately, it was geography that led him to uh, the decision in Toledo, uh, living at home. But even if we had Steve and Alexi, Alexi, where's he going to play? You know, where's he <laughs> yeah. going to play? Because, you know, yeah. am I going to take out a Stewart or a Binkley or a Broussard or anybody else that's on that right side in order for Steven? Yeah. I don't know that we would right now, regardless of how, how good he is. And it's a, the same thing. We were going after a, a, a forward that ended up going to Allen. But at the same time, if he was in, I don't know who would sit out. I mean, Petrozelli has been unbelievable through six games this season. Matt Bowden's has been unbelievable. You know, you're not going to take out Jenks. You're not going to take out Sid unless their health uh, becomes an issue, unless you're trying to rest their body. And I think the most consistent line we've had through six games is Sean McKenzie and St. Amant. Yeah. Right, so it just poses a problem. It's yeah. like Jesus. Even if we had somebody, who are you going to take out? I don't want to take out anybody because you've got those guys. And I haven't even mentioned Brad Ross. I haven't mentioned Taylor. I haven't mentioned Lasarchuk. I mean, all these guys are capable of, of of playing big time roles. So yeah, we've got good problems on our hands. But it was actually probably better that we lost out on those free agent recruits because yeah. I love everybody that we have here now. Yeah. Now talk about going after AJ. Uh, certainly not a popular player here in Fort Wayne. Uh, you're looking at it from a coaching point of view, but it was hard to swallow for a lot of Comet fans. Yeah, but I would love to talk to those Comet fans <laughs> after a six-game sample size. He's got yeah. six, uh, six points in six games. He's fought. He's hit. He's won big-time face-offs. He's been a big component to those three games that we have won. Personally, I think we should be 6-0. and We played well enough to be 6-0. and um, but the part of the learning process is we're going to have some holes to fix. And whether it's a 10-minute stretch in a 60-minute game, we found a way to not get the two points. So if we can play a full 60 minutes, I think we're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So AJ's been a huge part of that, a huge part of it, big vocal part of it. He's been an unbelievable leader. And I will say he's come as advertised. And so you give that a little bit of time. He fights for the teammates. He fights for the fans here in Fort Wayne. The guy's, the guy's an all-star. He's been unbelievable. And uh, he's probably done a lot more than anybody can actually see on the ice so we're really ha happy to have him yeah uh, it makes us feel real good yeah. that he's in that locker room so what was it like that first game you were uh you know big crowd opening night you know what it's all about but you were the head guy you know the so first what game, was that feeling it was actually kind of like the last game i ever played in the call really? i remember losing in that three-peat yeah. i've mentioned this before yeah. you're looking around confetti you do the kind of mental image and i told myself the same thing how cool was it to come out there and open a night and see all the orange lights going it was yeah. awesome and to, to me you know i was pretty level-headed i wasn't nervous or anything like that until i got on the bench 
<laughs> and um, saw the introductions. I saw the five owners out there, and then I saw the corporate sponsors out there, and I realized, oh, my God, <laughs> we better win. <laughs> we better win tonight. There's a lot of important people here that are all wanting to see the, the outcome of, of tonight's game. And um, believe me, the best thing that could have ever happened was to score 18 seconds into the <laughs> biggest game of my career. Absolutely. I did one of these, whoo, <laughs> you know, wipe the sweat off your forebrow. But it wasn't. It wasn't really nervous until you kind of looked around and saw the impact that the outcome is going to have. You know, yeah. if it's a negative impact, oh, my God, I didn't want to be out there. But then if it's a positive impact, you couldn't wait to get out of the room. And, <laughs> hey, how are you doing? You like the game? Oh, it was a great game. All right, we'll see you next yeah. weekend. Okay, okay, on to the next one. All right. So it was great. 18 seconds in, look at yeah. the offense. We had everything that we wanted. We scored power play goals. We didn't give anything up. You could have asked for a better start. Yeah. You know, couldn't have asked for a better one. So great that we got it out of the way, uh, which was awesome. And then we just kept it rolling the following Friday. I mean, it was ridiculous the amount of offense that we had. We just, we got to find a way to button it down defensively. Yeah. But yeah, great experience. Unbelievable experience, to be honest with you. And I, I owe a lot to the Comet organization. Just, you know, <clears throat> we talked about this over dinner, my wife and I, last night. And we said, uh, regardless of what happens, you know, if we lose the the next 66 games or whatever it is, you know, rightfully so, I probably wouldn't be here and maybe never be given <laughs> another job. Right. Uh, and so who knows? It might be a paper salesman or something like that. But even if I was a great damn paper salesman <laughs> 20, 30 years into my career, I'll always look back and nobody will ever take away the fact That's that you're right. a professional head coach That's right. uh, in hockey. And then you still got a few wins under your belt. So, um, you know, just a great opportunity. And no, I don't have any plans of being a career paper salesman. I want to be a professional <laughs> head coach. Uh, but that's every other job doesn't work out very good for you yeah. outside of hockey. I haven't been fired yet in right. hockey. I've been cut. Right. That's but different. I haven't been fired. It's different. So now that I've been employed, it's uh, it's been pretty good. No, I love uh, love where we're at with this team. I love where, where we're at in life as, as a family at home. Uh, you couldn't ask for any more. Um, wife allows me to do my job every single day. You go to work with people that are surrounded by. Um, you look forward to working with people here in the front office. It it truly is a blessing for anybody that doesn't understand it. It's it's kind of tough to uh, curtail the fact that of how lucky we are here in Fort Wayne compared to anywhere else, and whether it's the NHL, AHL, yeah. wherever it is, nobody really understands how lucky you are to be a Comet. And I'm I'm living my dream right now every single day. I got the smile on my face, but at the same time, I don't I don't forget about it. I stay yeah. humbled because I know you won't be as happy if you lose two games in a row, which we don't want to happen. So come tomorrow. We're coming out of that gate flying because we want the two points. So you're looking forward to getting to the rink every single day. But you, you also had an interesting situation where you didn't bring back a lot of fan favorites and you had to discuss that. You know, no Cody Soul, no Jamie Shasma, but that's something you also that came with territory. Yeah, yeah, I've, a lot of them. And uh, I said, listen, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it my way. Right. And my way. And I say our way. Yeah. You know, I don't like saying my or I or anything because this is way more, way more important than than it is above me. But, yeah, the toughest, toughest one was, you know, no question. Jamie Shasman. I have nothing against him. I love yeah. Jamie Shasman. I love because you guys go back a long we way. We go a long way. And honestly, I've got nothing uh, to say negative about him, which is almost tough to justify that yeah. decision. I just said, listen, if we're going to start new, we're going to have to rebuild. And yes, we're going to go with rookies, but in two, three years, hopefully with success, those guys aren't going to be rookies. So if you don't win in your first year, they're going to they're going to learn those um, those those lessons that that they learned, and then they're going to come back in year two and three, and then hopefully over a long term plan, you find out to win a championship. It is extremely difficult to win in this league, extremely. 26 teams with organizations that pump them full of 
prospects. It's 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 tough. There's no shoeing just because you're in a great organization that you're going to win. So that was our method that we're going to start. We're going to rebuild. We're going to have a long-term plan. Um, and it wasn't easy telling uh, a guy like that who's endeared himself to Fort Wayne Faithful. Um, you know, he was a big part in the community. It was, it was extremely difficult for myself personally to be able to do it. But it was something that we believed in doing of having to get a new culture in here, a new new group of young guys that we can mold uh, the way we want to mold and, and go from there. And same thing with Cody. Like, I I love Cody. I love, you know, I can't wait until that first game that we play him because yeah. he, he deserves everything that's ever coming to him. He's a great guy. I know the fans loves him and everything too. We just, we felt time that it was it was time to move on. And that's why we got guys like Gallipo and guys like Bryson Martin, uh, guys like Pechnig, you know, and Stewart. It opens the door for, for a lot of, um, new guys to come in here and, and play that way and hopefully they're here for an extended period of time as well too so yeah it was it was tough and maybe a couple boos in that first Three Rivers Parade when we got over there and <laughs> you know I had to Facebook inboxes saying I'm not renewing my season tickets and you know I, I had to live with that all summer yeah. you know I was nervous and there's you didn't make make it any better when you told me that the first game was worth five, you know, and I knew that the first game was important. And so when you win, you feel good that saying, Hey, you know, you stuck your knuck out on a limb and you went out and got these guys and you know, your focus was creating a good culture in the locker room. And I believe that's there. So everything is starting to kind of turn the corner and get to where you want it. I hate the fact we're three, two and one, I'd want to be six and oh, um, but maybe, you know, maybe too much of a perfectionist and maybe not as realistic as we want to be. But at the same time, you know, I'm not going into planning on losing every single game. Our team that we have right now is capable of, of winning every single game. And when they realize that and play like that, uh, I think we're going to really be a force to be reckoned with. So you're, what's, what is your pregame pep talk style? Uh, some guys are rah, rah, rah. Some guys are just say, hey, we know what we need to do tonight. There's no need for the rah, rah, rah because it only lasts five seconds anyway. You know, what? what is the pep talk? I think you got to keep it fresh. It's whatever yeah. comes to my mind. You know, you get a piece of paper where you got to mark the – uh, who's the starters are. And for me, I've always had fun with it at either as a player or, you know, as a coach, you've been able to kind of install some life because, you know, that's about the start. We've had six real good starts to these games and you got to find a way to get them up. You can't just be mundane and go in and get boring. So, you know, on Saturday night, I thought we, we didn't actually have a great start, but it was the second half to our first that we had started. But when I took the read, you do a little something different. And so besides the guys you put an X who's going to start, you want to throw a little quip at them, yeah. a little little something funny and, um, you know, get guys laughing or get guys engaged and keep them keep them on their toes. Yeah. And so when I announced Brett McKenzie, I think one of the things is starting in the middle. This guy's got more hair on the back of his neck than I have on top of my head. Number 14, <laughs> Brett McKenzie, you know, or something like that. And. Uh, you know, you just find a way to kind of throw a couple, yeah. couple chirps at those yeah. guys, and you know, keeps yeah. everybody engaged and fun. And um, <laughs> so that was that was the starting starting thing. But I've been been through, yeah. you know, where you just you're straight business, you're low key, you're fired up. You got to find a way to get to everybody. If if it's the same thing, it's you know, it's tough. You know, and there's no yeah. motivation because yeah. the start of the game is way too important not to have that emphasis yeah. uh, that emphasis in there. But if to answer your question, yeah, it is about motivation. You go in there and talk X's and O's, you'll see guys staring at the ceiling yeah. and then they'll be zapped. There's a time for X's and O's and there's a time to take the leash off and let the dogs go and eat. And that's that's what we've been doing through six games. And until it doesn't work, we're going to keep going with what's been working. <laughs> Do you uh, talk, talk to your dad after every game? 
for the most part. Does he call you after every his uh, his games? Uh, usually they're text. Yeah. And you can tell like if you want to talk. <laughs> like after Saturday, we we spent forty five minutes talking. Yeah. Um, because I said you know like I was I was so upset after Saturday. I mean we should have won that game. You know, but then how do you let it go? How do you not let 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 it affect your family life? We went to Coonhart Dairy Farm, and um, I wasn't present. I wasn't in yeah. the moment. I got a two-year-old son. It's a perfect, beautiful Sunday, autumn even. <clears throat> you should be enjoying the family, but yet here I am trying to say, how do we get these guys better? How do we win? You know, like the this the to be so driven to want something so bad. How do you go home and let that kind of just you know, stay at yeah. the rink. And that's, that's the toughest thing. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Like, how do I, how do I let it? He says, Ben, ask my wife. I haven't shut my brain off since 1994. <laughs> right. So if you're expecting to shut your brain off, I'd say, I'll tell you right now, it doesn't go away. You've yeah. got to find a way to be yeah. in the moment a little bit more. So that's the big, big thing for me, like trying to say, okay, how do I go home and be with my family without thinking, you know, how to execute on the power play or without putting this guy in a good position or worried that this guy's girlfriend's in town so he better play and, you know, I'm trying to keep everybody happy. Like that's the yeah. that's been the, the biggest surprise for me, like is is that part of the game. Like yeah. leaving it and taking it taking it home and stop thinking about it. I've been losing sleep in that first week because you just think about all the, the different things. Like how did we lose to Toledo when we dominated the game? Yeah. You know, like those are things you take with you and affect me in my personal life, which it shouldn't, but it does. Um, and I, I just think that's from wanting to win so bad, you know, but that's the fine line of how do you leave yeah. it at home and how do you go on with your personal yeah. life? So maybe until we've won that championship, that, that, scratch won't be itched until we get there so maybe it's a good thing maybe it's a bad thing either way we're going to find out yeah 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 well, that's something you're learning and again you've got a coach uh, your dad is a coach so yeah. th that's good sounding more that you've got someone to talk to about that and well that was the thing like we've got 9d and 13 forwards and so no matter what we're going to have to sit guys out yeah right and and every single one of those guys deserve to play there's no question about that they're all great hockey players and so you know you you feel for them because there's a human element to it uh, as well, where you know that. And I said the same thing. And he said, well, like I told you, I haven't been able to shut my brain off since 94 <laughs> when I talked to my dad. And he said he kept a, a saying from uh, the Comet's office. He's had this little plaque on his desk. And he says, I don't know what the key to success is, but the key to failure is trying to make everybody happy. And, you know, that's a motto that he's lived by. And so when I'm telling him, you know, that I'm struggling with my emotions away from the rink, trying to leave work at yeah. the rink. Then he said, listen, you're not going to make everybody happy. If you got to sit or cut somebody, then, you know, you sit or cut them. You know, if they got a problem, they'll come to you. And so that's that's one of those things with the difference in the roles is, is trying to just kind of be the strict guy, knowing that I'm going to make a decision that's going to piss somebody off, unfortunately. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to do what's best for the team. And so through six games, we, we know going forward we're going to do what's best for the team uh, on any given scenario. And you went to Traverse City this summer, as I jump around all the way back to when you mentioned it. So that was a unique thing. It's something that the Comets, not, no other coach had done, had gone up to the prospects camp. Great, great uh, opportunity just, just to network, first of all, first and foremost. I mean, there's a ton of hockey people up there, and, you know, we got really tight with the Columbus coaching staff and the NHL and their management staff. So if we have any questions with prospects or skill stuff, I mean, they'll they'll be able to help us out. And uh, they they kind of guide us and helped us sign to, to Matt Broussard, a great signing who was up there with, with Columbus. So uh, just from us going up there and establishing some connections that started way back in the draft in Vancouver that led to Traverse City, yeah. it led us to a signing in Broussard. 
Um, and it's just kind of crazy how one thing leads to the other. And next thing you know, we're, we meet a former former Comet uh, that's working as a skills guy for the Detroit Red Wings, and he turns us on to Duquette, who's a great defenseman. But at the same time, we had 10 great defensemen, yeah. and we had to get rid of them. So, you know, those were two signings that came straight out of just connections and going up to a prospects tournament. So um, I think the more you can get yourself out there and the more you can network, the, the more – people you, you you can reach out to when you're in need of something or even just bounce something off so it was a great summer as far as networking goes being in that position and you know Olivia and I we enjoyed every single opportunity to get out there and just be be involved in that hockey community so uh, for us it was it was way more beneficial than people will know uh, you get to see some great products out there and if nobody's ever been to Traverse City put it on the map because it's a great spot it's <laughs> it's a lot of fun so uh, yeah we had a great time and I'm hoping that uh, you know those signings they turn out to be pretty good so we can justify going again oh you were you're <laughs> up there with your dad right he was up there. Wasn't there a hotel issue? Oh, my God. This is... <laughs> I remember this story. Oh. So you got to understand who my dad is to make this, this thing even work. Like he, He'll get details. Right. And he won't read them. He'll just go with the flow. Like, I'm going to follow somebody who knows what they're doing. So he got an itinerary months ago. Like, this thing has been booked months in advance. And so he was at a hotel that used to be a Holiday Inn, but now it's changed to some resort. And so I'm asking him a month in advance, where are you guys staying? You've got an itinerary. Oh, yeah, we're staying at the Holiday Inn. Okay, no problem. So Olivia and I booked the Holiday Inn. Then we come back from a meeting, and we said, oh, we're going to go check into the hotel. Where are you? He said, I'm at the bar, the lobby bar. So we're in the lobby, and there is no bar. What are you, what are you talking? He said, I'm at the lobby bar. Just go down and go to your left. So if I go down and go to my left, I'm walking into a wall. Like, what are you talking about? And he says somebody, it's uh, so where where are we? Where are we staying? And it was like the Sinesta Bridge Suites or something. Like Holiday Inn? Are you kidding me? And so he says, well, I guess we're staying at this uh, this other place. No idea. Never checked his itinerary. Sent us blind checking into the Holiday Inn on the other side of the city. And so we got together for a couple of drinks and dinner that night. And we, you know, in front of the entire Minnesota staff, we told that story and they're yeah. all giving my dad the gears so the next morning when we're at practice billy garen the gm of minnesota came up and he said boys you guys can have my room and we're looking at each other like we made them feel so guilty that the gm himself <laughs> is giving us his, his room for the the hotel so we tried to say no no way and he was pretty good and accommodating so I guess we guilted my, my old man as organization so bad into duping us to where they were staying that the GM himself gave up his room for the weekend. So I thought that was a, a pretty funny thing. Yeah, so that's a great it's a great start. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was a, it was it was just a good weekend all the way around. Like yeah. we've it was great business wise, it was great networking, great little personal thing and you know, it's kinda cool that uh, you know, we're both find ourselves in this profession. Um, you know, like I said, nobody will ever be able to take it away from us. He texted me you know, after their loss the other night, and he said, "We keep going the way we're going. You, you may be seeing me sooner than later." And I said, "Well, don't don't expect me to hire you. You're gonna have to prove it, like anybody else has." So we got some Josh and going back and forth. It's been a good, uh, it's been a pretty yeah. good thing. It yeah. keeps us close. It keeps us together. You yeah. know, it's the one one thing we're both really excited to talk about. So we bounce that stuff off each other. It's been great. I got no complaints. So now, who is the better dresser between you and your dad? Now, if you even have to ask that, I should be pretty upset. <laughs> First of all, he doesn't even dress. His wife dresses him. 
okay? My stepmother, Crystal, <laughs> is going to lay it out. We're going to pack it all. This is going to go with this. If you dress him, he's got one collar up on the other side. His tie is crooked. It's coming out. He won't be wearing a belt. He's wearing someone else's sport jacket because he forgot his at home. It's unbelievable. Didn't he have to wear someone else's pants? At one point, he had to wear John Walton's pants on the road, which is a size 33, and he hasn't been size 33 since he's been in high school. So there he is with his hands in his pocket, and he can't take them out because they'll fall right down on the bench. So he had to take the broadcaster's pants on on uh, a road trip because he forgot to pack his own pants. So that's uh, those are great stories. That you Benny, you're not going to borrow my pants. It's not going to happen. Hey, if it comes down to a scenario, and I have to, Shane, I just want to let you know that you better be willing to give me your pants if i need your pants i'm taking your pants i'll tell you that okay same thing as the bus scenario. I was just does anyone know up. does anyone here know go. what's going on that here? that was going to be my closer on this episode oh. all right i'd like to get the public opinion on this I do thing too. too i do too let's let's get it out in the open okay okay all right what is you've been on a lot of buses okay what is say bus etiquette as far as seating goes on the bus when we're on a road trip the coach needs to be separated from the players from okay. any kind of conversation they're going to have with agents, anything, any negative type of stuff after the bus, you don't want to be one, two seats ahead of them. So when you step onto the bus, that first row of seating is reserved for the coaches. Typically, the head coach is always on the left. Typically, the assistant's always on the right, followed by the trainers, followed by the working staff. Okay, and then I get there two two years ago, and it's fine. Everything's good, but I see Shane Alberani sitting, sitting in my front, and I know about Bob Chase and the legend he is. I know about him. Right, and I get it, and I guess he was a big personality. His feet up at the front, and he's been doing it forever. That's right. Okay, I get it. Bob Chase is there, and it actually went um, Shane uh, on the front, Gary behind him, Olivier behind him, because I can't move my chair back with Olivier or kill his legs just because <laughs> the big man he is. And then I was, was like, I was four back, so I was one in front of the players. I had no problem with that, right? Yeah. And then we on the yeah. other side of the aisle, we yeah. had we had equipment manager, assistant equipment manager empty space medical guy fine no problem so then i get hired and now it's a conversation i gotta have shane i said shane just for the record if i want that front of the bus seat i'm going to take that front of the bus seat even though i'm not going to take the front of the bus he said if you want it you can't have it i said shane i don't want it but i want you to know that i can have it if i want to take it and it's been going back and forth. Even though I'm not going to take it, I want you to know I can if I want to. I, but you see, here's the thing. I don't think you can because I wasn't there for the swearing-in ceremony where you're the captain of the bus. You're not I, the pilot. I'm the head coach. <laughs> Doesn't head matter. Coach. I was there first. <laughs> I'm boiling up right now. I'm boiling up. You can see the hairs are standing on the end of, well, okay, end of my thing. Here's my side. Here, here, here's – okay. Bob Chase always sat in the front spot. Always, always Bob. Who so, did? Bob did. Bob Chase. Not Shane, but Bob. But did. Bob Chase. Okay, okay. Not Shane so, Alberani, but Bob I'm Chase always. Getting sat there. to where I come into this okay. conversation. All okay. Right. So when Bob, when Bob and I would travel together, or or I would take his spot when because Bob was still doing games, but I would do the occasional road game. I would just automatically sit in his spot. Now, when we started, Bob and I started sharing games. Al Sims was the coach. Al sat in the right side. If you're facing out the window, he was on the right side. Bob was on the left. First okay. row? First row. Okay. First row. So you so, had Al. So Al was in the spot Al that was in his spot. I've always seen the head coach in. Yeah. Right, right. So Al was in that spot. Bob was in the opposite side. And then Gary, who was the assistant, was always behind Bob. So when Gary takes over, he was a creature of habit, and he wanted to keep it the same. So 
even though Bob wasn't there, I had to be in the first spot. Gary was fine with being in the second. Joe Franke moves up to Al Sim's spot. That's how it went. So, I know. Uh, so, so, wait, before you even get into this one, you're telling me everybody adjusted with the times. Yeah. So everybody adjusted with the times and the changes. <laughs> everybody adjusted to how the flow is going. Okay, go on to your next part of the story. I'm just saying I was grandfathered in. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Grandfathered in is the, yeah. the only person saying you were grandfathered in was yourself. That's right. Nobody else is saying, here are the rules. This is where <laughs> your seating no arrangements rules. are. It's who like Thunderdome. The, who makes the rules? Who makes the rules? <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a fun uh, fun thing going back and forth. But, like I said, if I want it, I'm going to take it, even though I don't want it. I still like to be three seats behind so I can get my little nap in on the way to the game. But it is well, what you can it is. still be three seats behind. Yeah, I went what three seats. You? I don't know. I think legs went in front of me the last time, and then we had Matt Miller, the goalie coach, and then somebody was sitting next. No, it was... My whole game was off. That's why we lost on the road. I didn't get my nap. That's we got to get back to that. Okay, that's the reason I forgot. That was the reason we lost on the Wednesday. It wasn't the right right bus seating. Come come Sunday in Toledo, we're getting the seating chart going. I'm going to see Nancy, Jody, Tammy at the front. I don't care who it is. That's what we're gonna do. Yeah. Okay. So it's uh, it's now up for public debate. It's out. Can there. we do a public public yeah. poll? Does Shane deserve the front seat of the bus, regardless? That's how many how many professional teams are in this league? Twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah. I wonder what the bus position for yeah. the radio person personality is on every bus. We should do a toll. <laughs> we should do a poll. I'm going to ask Brad Ralph tomorrow. Where does the radio voice sit in your bus? If he says first seat in the left, boom, done. Contest ended. <laughs> Shane has it. I'm putting a, a seat with a little plaque right there. <laughs> but I respect you so much because of the job that you do and the way you engage with your fans that I won't even bother to think that I can uproot you from the place that you think you belong. <laughs> and with that, another episode in the books. <laughs> oh, thanks, Shane. And just for the record, I do have a lot of uh, a lot of respect for Shane, so take this as a tongue-in-cheek thing. Cause, uh, Shane, and your aunt loves me. My aunt loves you. Yeah. Favorite person. You know, like you even go. before me, my aunt Suzanne loves you. Uh, so that's huge. And I think a lot of my mom is starting to listen now on WoWo. Um, so she is uh, she's getting behind the Shane Alberani fan bus, which is which is pretty good. And shout out to my mom who's going in for some cancer surgery in seven days uh, from now. So she can be back because with her being in attendance, we haven't lost a game in nine games. There you so go. So the sooner she gets healthy and the sooner she gets back to Fort Wayne, we can almost guarantee the W. We don't even have to show up. <laughs> All right, there you go, and uh, the bus saga will continue. I'll keep everybody posted on that in case it comes down to, I don't know, a contest. Yeah, oh, the contest. <laughs> there you go. The contest. <laughs> Based off of trust. All right. For another that. date and time. For another date and time. <laughs> All right, buddy, thanks a lot. So the great bus debate continues. Please weigh in on this because, uh, you know, it's going to be a whole thing. You know, apparently Ben and I can't come to a conclusion on this. So maybe we need the fans to decide where we're all going to sit on the bus. I think I'm right. Ben thinks he's right. But, you know, uh, we'll put it out for uh, public consumption and see what everybody thinks. But a great episode. I hope everybody had some laughs. I know just listening to it back, I, I got some giggles out of it because Ben is such a fun guy and he's such a, a great guy. And you know what? If you, if you see Ben in the hallways, please go up and tell him he's doing a great job. 
because this team is coming together nicely and Ben worked very, very hard in the offseason uh, to get it together. And he's also, again, he's a guy who will make you laugh. So uh, thanks for Ben for coming in. Thanks for listening. And that is our show. And we got to say this, the opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of Huntington University. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's the show.